All right. Well, thank you for, for joining us today. This is uh, the first episode of our new podcast, the Co-op Condo Corner. Uh, my name is Matthew Iben. Uh, I'm an attorney here at Rosenberg and Estes. Um, so the, 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 the goal of the, the show was to kind of discuss uh, with, with various guests in the, the industry uh, certain issues with uh, co-op and condo uh, apartments and the operation of those buildings. Um, and uh, one of the issues that we were discussing today are UCC auctions, which uh, I, I know uh, you are uh, personally familiar with. Um, so uh, why don't you give a little introduction of yourself uh, and uh, then we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, first, happy to be here. Thank you. This is my first podcast. Uh, so pretty excited for that, uh, especially to be with your firm. Uh, we actually worked together for well beyond, well before I even came to uh become an auctioneer. So happy to be here. Uh, once again, my name is Matthew and I own Manion Auctions, which is an auction house that specializes in co-op foreclosures as well as other UCC foreclosures. Um, and I also own JP and our advertising agency, which kind of go hand in hand. I get hired to do auctions and then we do the marketing for the auctions. Uh, I've been at Manion Auctions and JP and R since 2017. Prior to that, I spent five years active duty in the Marine Corps as an infantry officer, um, which is very different than uh, than being an auctioneer. But you, you have to yell in the auctioneer and military. So maybe it kind of helped me out somehow. <laughs> um, and services I offer are co-op foreclosures. So, you know, your firm's very well versed in co-ops, but it's a very niche part of the law. Um, so often I get contacted by attorneys who practice in other parts of the law and they want to do uh, foreclosures and I assist them with co-op foreclosures. I also do real property mortgage foreclosure services. I can't be a auctioneer for that. As I'm sure you know, you have to be a court appointed referee, which means you have to be an attorney. I'm not an attorney, um, which I do have to say often sometimes. So. No liability on my end if I'm giving uh, advice. Um, and so I cover the whole state of New York for mortgage foreclosures. Uh, and I help from the judgment getting signed by the judge up to the sale date. There are called a dozen steps that have to be done. Uh, generally, you could have paralegals do that or attorneys do that. Um, and then if you run, you know, if you run a large a firm that goes through a lot of foreclosures, we, I call them like factory like law factories, basically, they just do foreclosure work. Yeah. It's easier for them to outsource it to me. Um, and that's my main revenue stream is the advertising for mortgage foreclosures. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, you and I met originally doing UCC auctions for co-op apartments. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing it on behalf of uh, board of directors for failure to pay, um, you know, maintenance and, and things like that. And I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's basically, it's a very niche industry and there's really not a lot of information on it. Um, and I, I found that out the hard way uh, when I went to go do it. And there was, there's no guides really. There's a, a very rough guides. Um, uh, you know, Bergman has a, that's a, mm. an attorney who has a guidebook, but it's, it's bare bones. And, you know, you can look at case law um, but uh, otherwise, you're kind of left to your own devices. And, and actually, you were very helpful and in, in kind of uh, laying the groundwork for, um, you know, what, what, are, what some of those steps are, um, which we can talk about briefly, because, again, there's, there's just not a lot of information on it. Um, so, um, you know, I guess the first step, 
um, or a little bit of background on, on what you're looking at. So um, for a co-op apartment, that's governed typically by a proprietary lease, um, which governs the occupancy for the shareholder. Um, it's, it's not real estate um, in the traditional sense. It is essentially a shareholder is an owner of shares of the corporation itself. So they are an owner of personal property. Um, so that's what takes it out of the typical uh, real estate foreclosure where you'd have to start a court case um, and, and you get into instead a non-judicial foreclosure, which is what we're dealing with with uh, co-op apartments. Um, so the first step um, is typically you uh, the, the board will retain an attorney, serve a rent demand, uh, start a non-payment proceeding uh, in housing court, uh, evict the shareholder, and at that point, um, they would come to you and, and you kind of get involved. And, you know, first of all, I guess we'll, we'll, we would run a uh, UCC lien search. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the notices that would then go out after that. Sure. Yeah. And it's going back to one thing you said, the eviction process. Some firm, every firm does a little different. I believe when we did the one that we worked on together, you evicted first, and then we went forward with the auction. I worked. Yeah, with that's that's a good point. Yeah, because you don't. That, that's true. You don't have to. Um, I mean, I've always found that, and I, I guess this hasn't been tested, but I mean, to to evict, to have the person evicted, I think it kind of cleans the whole process up. I think if you if you leave them in possession and then you go forward with an auction, I think you're more likely to run into uh, emergency or just to show cause, basically, you know, the shareholder running to court and saying, stop the auction. Um, I have X, Y, and Z defenses. Uh, you, they screwed up here, here, and here. Um, whereas if you're out, you have basically a court order saying, you know, you were, you were the uh, co-op apartment or co-op owner, um, you were right. Um, you're entitled to the apartment and you're allowed to go forward with that, this, this foreclosure auction. So that's why I've always found to do it. But there are certainly situations where maybe that's not feasible. Maybe you, you just need to kind of rush the process a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. If, if there's any co-op board members listening to this, that getting eviction first is the cleaner way to do it. Like you said, yeah. you don't have to worry about an order to show cause getting filed the last minute. I've been a part of co-op auctions that take four, five, six iterations of publications, noticing, and all of that comes with a lot of attorney's fees and advertising fees and auctioneer fees, depending on when the cancellation occurs. If you do the eviction and then you do the process, now, obviously, you have to pay for the eviction. It, there's, there's, there's positives and negatives. For example, let's say you have a, a, uh, a shareholder that you know left the country. They're not talking. You have no idea where they are. They have, you haven't been in contact with them for a year or more. Sure, they could still come back. But in that case, you might want to leave them in place and then have someone pay to evict them out of, your, uh, out of the unit. But again, it, you, can, you can do either. I would say, 70% of the time, they get evicted first because um, you said it's cleaner. You know that it's, it's not occupied. You know you're not going to have a last-minute thing come up, and then you can, you can do the auction. Um, yeah. Okay, so getting to the notices. So there are two notices. Um, let's, let's call it uh, three notices that would be used, in my opinion, um, to get a good process going for UCCs. Uh, sales of co-ops. One thing to keep in mind is, as you stated, there's no rule to whip. There's no law. There's no way to do this per the UCC. It doesn't give you the exact steps to do it. It just says right. if you give 10 days notice, that's reasonable. That's not reasonable. 
in practice. Right? Uh, yes. And same thing with these notices I'm about to tell you about. You, you're not going to find these written out verbatim in in any in anywhere. You're going to have to decide as the attorney, and that's where I come help to to make sure you know the content of the notices. So after you do the lien search, you said, which by the way is one of the most important steps, because the only way this could really get screwed up. Not the only way, but one of the largest, most often ways to get screwed up is if the notification process is done wrong. So if you don't know who to notice and when to notice them, and they come back the day before the sale and say, hey, I have a lien on this and you never contacted me, you have to start completely over again. Yeah. So lien, lien search, UCC judgment search, you have to do all that first. And then the next one I would say would be a notice to cure, which is called a 60-day notice or 90-day notice. Uh, again, none of those times are, are set anywhere in in the UCC. You do a notice secure. Notice secure would be, you know, you haven't paid six months of maintenance. We've incurred this much with legal fees to this point. Um, no later than, call it 30 days from that notification. To cure your default, you must pay XYZ, um, the amount of money that, that you owe by that that point. But that and then that notice would actually be before the eviction, though, right? That's like you, you're referring to like a default notice under the proprietary lease, or yeah, is this okay, a, so, right, right. I'm looking yeah. now. I'm doing the thing because there's, there's two ways to do it. If you already sent that, if they've already been evicted, you don't have to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll yeah. assume that we already evicted someone. In that case, the next notice I would suggest would be a notice of disposition of collateral. In the okay. notice of disposition of collateral. You're going to inform the shareholder, even if they're not living there still, you need to still send it to the address that is being foreclosed on. Additionally, if you have any new addresses for the previous shareholder that you are aware of, you must send it to them. Any attorneys that you're aware of must be sent to them and anyone that appeared on the judgment lien search that you had completed. And that notice, I think, technically really only applies to... Um... What, uh, where it's a secure transaction, where it's uh, the shareholder had gotten a loan, and the mortgager is, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the mortgage company is then trying to foreclose on that loan. That's uh, the technically. But do you still find that the the like co-op uh, apartment um, corporations are serving that notice as well? I think we ended up doing that in our case. I'm trying to remember. But I think um, we did it. We did it to be belt and suspenders because, right. in my opinion, it takes. I mean, that, that, that one notice that we're discussing now, that's called the predisposition notice. And that is actually verbatim from the UCC. As mm -hmm. you stated, that's for the language in it concerns if you have been, if you have provided funding or financing to a co-op apartment uh, and you're the doing- connection with the purchase of it, I think they even say, yeah. Right, yeah. So that, that notice, I don't think we needed to do that for the one we did, but again, I mean, it, it's already pre that language actually is verbatim from the UCC, so that takes five minutes to do. Right. Um, I would say nine times out of ten for co-op boards as the foreclosing party does not do not send those. Um, now the notice I'm referencing to is referring to is the notice of disposition of collateral, not the predisposition notice. The predisposition okay. notice is okay. the one that we're talking where it's like you you get a notice in the mail and it says. You know, here's the website you can find information out about your rights. You might be in danger of losing your home. Notice disposition of collateral is not a predetermined uh, set of words that you must send. Um, and that's one where the the notice disposition is, is what gets mailed out. The notice of sale for publication is what gets published. 
And okay. basically the only difference between those two is the audience, right? So the notice of disposition goes to anyone that either lives or has lived or anyone that's involved in the, in having a lien in the apartment would get that. And that basically tells them the date that we're going to have the sale, the amount of the arrears as of the date of the sending of the notice, some of the rules of the, you know, the way we're going to get to the auction. Um, and basically it's informing them that we're going to, we're going to sell your, your shares and your lease. Right. Right. And give very basic information or at least instructions on how you can find information about the apartment itself. Right. Exactly. So that, yeah. That's like what I, I mean, I, I think I've usually called it a, a notice of sale. Um, so yep. that's what you're referring to. Got yeah, it. Um, yeah, exactly. And there's no, there's no even, that's not a technical term, notice of disposition. Right. No, and then the notice of sale is what you publish. And typically I suggest that um, both of those have to get mailed out to, we'll call them the primary parties at some point. I suggest you might as well just draft both in the beginning and then just send them together. And then you, yeah. can, re you can refer to the one you're publishing in your notice of disposition as an addendum or an annex. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So those are the notices that uh, that I think get involved on on co-op deals in which the shareholder has already been evicted. Got it. Okay. All right. So I mean, another question, um, which may not seem so obvious, but who are the parties that are coming to these auctions um, that are and end up actually buying these apartments? Because I, I found that to be interesting because it wasn't exactly what I uh, expected going into the situation. Um, and, and what I ended up finding that it was a lot of the same people showing up to these. Um, and, uh, so anyway, I, I, I know you have a, a lot of experience with that. Yeah. Um, I have like a crew of, of, uh, individuals who follow me depending on what auction, which County I'm doing. Um, typically I hold them on my auctions at the County courthouse of the respective County. Um, and depending on the County, I have a, this different crew follows me and you're right. It's, it's a lot of the same people. I, I think the reason for that is a couple things. One, it's a weird process. There's, you know, if you go to a judicial sale, you're dealing with a court-appointed referee. There's attorneys involved for the plaintiff. There's someone there bidding on behalf of the plaintiff. There's rules of the road that you can find and you know how it works. For co-ops, if you're not scouring the Daily News or the Brooklyn Daily Eagle for the notices, it's going to be hard to find out that there's going on anyway. So yeah. what you tend to get is professional investors. Now, you get if you go to a real property sale, Wednesdays in Manhattan, there'll be a group of 50 people there trying to buy properties. If you go to a co-op sale for possibly the same apartment, even the same building, you'll find four people there, and they're all professional investors. And the reason why you get less people, too, is because for co-op board, you, for co-op, if you purchase the unit at auction, you still have to be approved by the board. Right. No matter right. what. Very often, most boards do not want investors. They want end users to purchase, and then they can approve those end users, and then they'll, they'll, they'll live there. Uh, by the nature of a co-op, they want to be exclusive. I think that's probably pretty fair to say. Yeah. Um, and so they, they don't want investors there because... You know, for for a litany of reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, co-op. I, I, you know, the idea is that you're basically buying into a community of people, and right. so they want to make sure that you're going to fit with that community. Um, and then, obviously, they also have concerns about the financial capabilities. They don't want to have to chase people who are not, you know, capable of fulfilling their obligations financially. Uh, but that's really just part of it. 
Um, and like you said, uh, yeah, mo most sales or all, almost all sales for, for co-ops, absent a few uh, specific exceptions, are subject to board approval, which typically can be withheld for any reason or no reason at all. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Most people, most most boards are not going to want some investor who's going to maybe low lowball some renovations in the apartment, try and flip it, and um, you know, not be the type of person who they, they want to be living in the, in the in the apartment, or if they can't sell it, end up being in default and being in the same situation all over again. Yeah. The good point. The good good point there is um, you can get denied for any reason or no reason. They do not have to tell you. However, that has changed actually in Westchester. Westchester, they're, you know, I think every year or two, they try to challenge this saying that it's, you know, sexist, racist, you know, the religion, whatever you want to call it. Um, and in the five boroughs, they've maintained the ability to say to anybody, we don't want you to live here and we don't have to tell you why. And we well, won't tell you why. Westchester, that's true. That's true. That's, I mean, that's anywhere. You can't do it for um, illegitimate reasons. Um, yeah. Typically, that's it's a difficult thing to kind of flesh out as to, to what the reasons are. I mean, typically, there's plenty of reasons um, why they could, you know, actually deny them. And there's not this isn't a conversation that's going to be recorded. These are board members in a private room who look at the stuff and it's memorialized with, you know, a, a resolution saying denied, rejected. And they don't give a reason. Yeah. So, um, yeah. To. Right, exactly. They, do now. they just changed in this year. It changed now. Westchester County, you have to give a reason why. And that, I mean, oh, interesting. Attorney, you know, that, that you'd have to think about that statement a lot about how yeah. you're going to somebody. Um, That's fascinating. Okay. I didn't even realize that. I mean, I, I, my practice is mainly in New York City. So yeah. um, we don't really do a lot of auctions out there. But that's that's very interesting. It is. It is. So I think I think it's going to open up a lot more investors that are going to want to go there because, you know, if you could just get a toe in the door and say, oh, they denied me because X, Y, Z, then you can litigate and then it's going to be a disaster for the co-op boards. But, right. Right. Um, yeah. It takes some of that leverage away from the board. Totally. Mm -hmm. OK. Interesting. Um, so but in, in addition to the, the professional investors, which I, I, I want to ask a couple more questions about that, too. Um, there are occasionally just legitimate people off the street, although I think they end up finding themselves in a situation where they're a little bit in over their heads as far as what they're dealing with. Um, but I have seen them win, win, you know, win the auction. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I think one of them, at least one of them, um, ended up moving into the apartment, um, and that was a full. We had ten people there. There was the whole normal crew of investors, mm -hmm. and then this guy who was off the street and finding trying to find his apartment so it does happen um you know the other people who they could be uh people within the corporation or shareholders within the corporation um there's no there's nothing uh, against a, a board member or the corporation itself in trying to uh win the auction i mean typically um I mean, we can go into some of the dynamics uh, or, or the, the kind of how the auction actually plays out but the opening bid is typically the debt uh, the co-op's debt um, in, in the case of uh, where an apartment corporation is actually doing the auction. Um, so if no one bids above that amount, they would win and they would be the owner of that, of that apartment and they can either sublet it or sell it. Uh, they could renovate it, do whatever they want, just like any other owner. Um, but uh, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting um, aspect. So, um, but back to the investors. So after these guys let's say they win the auction because they you know they they have a little bit better finger on the pulse on what the actual value value is and how much they can squeeze out of it um what, what are they doing 
uh, after they win the auction, if you know. Yeah, so typically, I, you know, I've, I've asked these investors the same question too, because I'm interested in what the yeah. strategies are. Generally, right. they will be, if they're experienced, I think that what they do is they, they be upfront. They're upfront with the co-op boards. They, they buy it and they, in the terms of sale, it says no investors. They know that, the co-op board knows that. The investor that is savvy shows up and says, listen, I'm not going to live here. You don't want me to live here. I can't live here even if I wanted to because you're not going to approve me. Let me come in. I'm going to renovate it. Let me show you what other stuff I've done that I've renovated other co-ops before, you know, assuming it looks good. Um, and then you would say, listen, I'm going to come in. I'm going to renovate it. It's going to look great. And then I'm going to find you a buyer. I'm going to find a buyer for the apartment that's going to get approved by you anyway. And the the risk of, to the co-op is really nil if if you think about it, because again, anyone that lives there must be approved by the board. So if this gentleman or, or woman comes in and renovates this place and they can't find a buyer for a year, now if that person's not paying the maintenance during that time, that's not good. Um, but if they're paying the maintenance while they're renovating it and while they're finding a buyer, then it's no harm, no foul. Um, so I, I think that's what they would do because they don't really have the other thing you could do is just litigate if you if you win the auction and you can say, oh, they're not denying me because of, of whatever. Um, but that's that's hard to fight when the terms of sale say we don't want investors and then you're an investor. Um, but but yeah, I think that I mean, some of these guys, they'll they'll make you start that lawsuit, though. Right. And then they'll, oh, yeah. they'll hold their fire. Yeah, there are Which is there are gentlemen that I know that are investors that um that are very savvy when it comes to litigation, when it comes to these auctions that know this portion of the law very, 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 very well and knows the case law and knows the precedents that are set. And if given an inch, we'll take a mile and we'll wrap up co-ops in, in litigation. Um, and that, you know, it's a strategy. If, if you do that and you do it enough and people know that you do that, Maybe it's not worth their time to get wrapped up in a lawsuit for a year or two. Now that might be good for you. Might get some good lawyer fees from that, but the co-op board doesn't want that. Yeah, I mean, when you sit down to have that conversation, like you were saying, when they they make their pitch to the board, you know, the unspoken uh, you know statement behind that is well, or the alternative is that we litigate and I I drag this out for a few months and and, and yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's it's definitely possible. I don't know if it's that. Prevalent. I feel like the, I don't know if you can litigate over, you know, just winning an auction and then, I mean, I guess you could probably find anything to, to, to make, to make a stink about, but I, I think that I'm if, curious. yeah, that's, um, so for, what, do they close on the sale? These investors, if, if they win, um, are they closing on the sale and then, and they're paying the maintenance during this process and then finding a, a new uh, buyer? Is that basically how it plays out? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, they still have to close because they still have to get the ownership of the unit to be able to, you know, gut renovate or, or whatever they're going to do to it. Um, yeah. So yes, they close. I think that they try to sweeten the deal. At least from some of the investors I speak to, they try to sweeten the deal and they say, "Listen, upfront, I'm going to pay six months maintenance. Mm. If you let me close, I'll close immediately." You know, to try to be above board of like, "Hey, listen, I'm serious about this. This is my job." Um. But again, a lot of boards hear that and still say, nope, get out of here. And, and I get that, you know, you don't, you might not want to deal with it. It's a headache. 
Right. Right. Um, it's an unknown. Whereas someone that comes off the street, like you said, it happens every now and then. I would say maybe less than five percent of the time that happens that you get an end user. Now that's that percentage changes when you talk about high value apartments in Manhattan or Brooklyn. Um, those generally generate a lot more leads and you get a lot more action at auction and you get a lot of end users. And what's interesting about that is those end users, the investors can't really compete with them because the investors still need to make a margin. Right. So if, you know, if you're an end user and you get a 5% under market value, if you're talking about a couple million dollar house, that's great. But an investor's not going to do that. It's not worth, it's probably not worth the money for the time. Interesting. Yep. So um, I, I don't know if we talked about it, but um, just to make clear again, you know, so the, the basically the governing principle behind co-op auctions is commercially reasonable, that, and that's that's really all the statute says. Um, so that involves the, the the publication, sending these notices to the interested parties, uh, the creditor, uh, other creditors, the, the debtor himself or herself. Um, and, um, then you, you, uh, publish the notice of sale and then what happens at the auction itself, uh, and where are those typically where taking place in, in your experience? So, yeah, right. So publication, generally I suggest you publish once a week for three weeks. Um, I have some clients that want to do four weeks. Reason being is, uh, and this is something I think that we might've talked about during our, our deal is I try to mimic the real property law, not to a T directly, but generally follow it reason being is that's laid out line by line of how to do it correctly yeah um, mm -hmm. including publication requirements so i think if we stay close to that you don't have to do it exactly because it's not real property but if you stay right. close to that if you and i found ourselves in front of a judge and he said well why did you do xyz and we can say well in rpapl 231 it says do this and we did 95 percent of that that makes us look way more defensible than not um, I mean, especially because, again, you know, there's just not anything in the statute. You could look to case law, but, you know, that's going to depend on your jurisdiction and yep. whether or not it's actually precedent. Um, so it makes sense to look to the most similar situation, which you know, would be uh, a condo apartment, for instance, which yep. is, you know, from a layman's perspective, it's the same thing as a co-op apartment. Uh, legally, they're very different. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I can see how a court would say, all right, well, if it's fine here, why aren't you doing that with a co-op apartment right across the street? So, yeah, no, I think that's smart. That's, that seems pretty prudent. Yep. And then for the locations, um, besides, well, Manhattan now is still outside, but I think that's moving back inside. Most of the counties is done at the steps of the courthouse, front steps of the courthouse, like, like it has been for, I think there's records of people doing that in like the 1800s in New York. They're like <laughs> the town crier, they're outside and they give the announcement and then people show up at the auction and, and, and bid. Yeah. Um, yeah, Manhattan, I think, was it, it was in the rotunda. I think we're going back to that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I did a, a partition auction a couple weeks ago from a, a family that they own six buildings in the West Village, mm. and it was like $60 million total. Um, family couldn't get along. Court said, all right, you're going to split up all the pro you're going to split up all the properties. You split the proceeds. And it was it was like 20 degrees outside, and we had like 100 people bidding. And, you know, attorneys that are in their 80s. You know, it's and and other people in their eighties too, and we're outside freezing our butts off. Um, yeah. So it really goes in, but yeah, most of them are outside the um, the courthouse. That, Sometimes no, it's, it's office. I, I used to do them at um, our my firm's office or my prior firm's office, 
Um, and I, it, you, you bring up the, the cold temperature. And I remember, um, I mean, it's kind of related. So it was a small building and the elevator, it was a single elevator and it stopped working two hours before the auction. And we're, I was freaking out. I drafted this whole notice about like where it's going to take place. And I mean, thankfully, yeah. at the last second, it turned back on. But it was a panic because, I mean, if I was going to make these people or these potential, um, you know, participants walk up five flights of stairs, is that commercially reasonable? Um, probably not. I would say probably not. Um, but is it commercially reasonable to make somebody stand in twenty degree weather? Eh, I mean, it's probably. And that, and those circumstances, but it's right. it's an interesting thing that you have to think about, uh, and those and those you know final moments leading up to the auction, even. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, we, you talked a little bit about some of the other auctions that you've done. Um, are there is there any particular type that you're seeing ramp up more recently, um, or or um, a, a new type of auction that people are utilizing? Um, I, I know we talked about this a little bit um, in, our, in our call a couple weeks ago. So I'm maybe it's just I'm I'm getting more of them than I did before COVID, but I'm seeing a large uptick in um, large membership interest auctions. Membership interest auctions are UCC auctions. They fall under the same exact part of the UCC as a co-op does, with a little differences. Like the predisposition notice applies only to co-op chairs. Obviously, mm -hmm. doesn't apply here. But essentially, what it is is a LLC. Well, John Doe LLC owns 100% membership interest in Jane Doe LLC. And then Jane Doe LLC owns a, a building in Manhattan or a building in Los Angeles. And, and, then the, and then Jane Doe stops paying John Doe, who's the lender. And then you hold a UCC sale, the membership interest. And that's, it's very weird the way they generally what they do is when they originate the loan, they have a mortgage and then they also have a security agreement, pledge agreement at the same time. So that way they have two ways to cure. If you stop paying the mortgage, they can say, all right, well, we're going to go through a judicial route, which as you know, right now, in, in, if it's in Manhattan, you're looking in July at earliest. Yeah. And that's for, that's for people that maybe don't have deep pockets if you have deep pockets and you can pay for really good attorneys, you could drag that out for three years in the judicial process. Mm. UCC, now that now that's going to take a lot of lawyer fees, but UCC auction, you could do 90 to 100 days and to have a rock solid process. Now, if you're talking about like a $100 million tower in LA, which is what I'm doing right now, you're talking $50,000, $75,000 of advertising on the on just on the beginning. Not mm. to mention, you're going to have to hire a broker. That's going to be another 100K plus. Not to mention you have to hire a great law firm. That's not going to be cheap. Um, so that, those prices make people, you know, kind of go judicial route more often. But I think because of COVID, you could do UCC auctions during COVID. You could not do judicial auctions. I think more people are doing these UCC auctions going through the security agreement, pledge agreement route rather than the judicial route. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is that, you know, I mean, ultimately, I think it's a, it's a quick way of, of, Putting this, you know, the squeeze, so to speak, on the debtor, um, yeah. where they can't just, you know, count on delaying and motion practice in court. They're going to have to file an order to show cause and, and be in front of court immediately. Um, yeah. At which point, that's an opportunity to have a, you know, another sit down discussion 
and, and try and meet a resolution um, or bring in other parties, et cetera, and then be creative. So um, that, that's interesting though, that, that makes sense. I know our firm um, does some of those. I think you, you said you would work with uh, another attorney at our firm before. Yeah, Stacy uh, Lara, I think, I think that was the right name. Uh, Stacy and I did a couple of UCC auctions together. Um, and you made you made a great point there, putting putting their feet to the fire. A lot of this is just getting the borrower to come to the table, right? And right. when you start sending the, the disposition notices out, and you say, you know, if you don't, we're going to set the auction sale. We have auctioneer hired already. We're publishing in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. You know, you got a month until we do the sale. A lot of the times, these auctions get canceled at the last minute. The borrower says, "All right, fine. We can tell you're serious. What's the number you want?" And sometimes they get the right number. Sometimes they don't. We have we hold the auction anyway. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it comes down to a minute before the auction and the wire comes through and then auction canceled. I still get paid during that. But um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's a good way to keep their feet to the fire. And, yeah. and a lot of these get canceled. I would say for the big auctions, like anything over 10 million from the process beginning to actually getting to an auction probably happens only 60 65% of the time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think we pretty much covered everything that we wanted to, unless there's any, um, any other uh, topic or um, issue that you wanted to discuss. No, no, I, I, I should have had some more questions for you. Uh, kind of <laughs> affair today. Um, no, I think, I think we hit everything pretty much on the, uh, on the head here. I think, uh, you know, Mannion Auctions LLC, Rosenberg and Estes. If you need, if you're co-op board and you need some co-ops sold, we could help you out. Yeah, no. Listen, I mean, I think the 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 the, the thesis is that it's a, it's a complicated process, and you know, you you need to know, you need to bring in people who know what they're doing because you can get yourself into trouble and um, drag out these issues even further. And for co-op apartments, I mean, that, you know, co-op, um, you know, uh, cooperatives, that can be a big issue. Um, if they are owed a lot of money, that could drag out years and years, and I've seen that. Um, so yep. it's important to, to, to bring in the right people at the right time and really push this and expedite it um, to, to get the money that you need to operate the building, so. Totally agree. Um, all right, great. So I, I think that's it. Um, I think that's good for our first episode. Um, if anybody who's uh, listening or watching, if there's any other questions, um, if there's any topics you want us to discuss, um, feel free to reach out. Um, I can post my email, but it's uh, M-E-I-B-E-N at RosenbergSS.com. Um, and I think that's it for today. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Matt.